1: and you can give them a call. The website is com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine, be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today including special guest Mark Schulman, Mark is the founder and publisher of historycentral.com. We'll also visit with Larry Reed, who is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. We'll be talking about sound money. How It Helped Win the Battle of Yorktown. We'll also visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several novels. He started writing novels after he retired, and uh, there's some good ones, real bird murder novels uh, happening in Washington, D.C. It is October the 24th, and on this day in 1901, a 63-year-old school teacher named Annie Edson Taylor became the first person to successfully take the plunge over Niagara Falls in a barrel After her husband died in the Civil War, the New York born Taylor was moved all over the United States before settling in Bay City, Michigan around 1898. In July 1901, when reading an article about the Pan American Exposition in Buffalo, she learned of the growing popularity of two enormous waterfalls located on the border of upstate New York and Canada. Strapped for cash and seeking fame, Taylor came up with a perfect attention getter. She would go over Niagara Falls in a barrel. Taylor was not the first person to attempt the plunge over the uh, famous falls. In October 1829, Sam Patch, known as the Yankee Leaper, survived jumping down 175 foot Horseshoe Falls of the Niagara River on the Canadian side of the border without taking uh, anything on him. More than 70 years later, Taylor chose to take the ride on her birthday, October the 24th. She claimed that she was in her 40s, but her records show that she was 63. Boy, she sounds like a special person, doesn't she? With the help of two assistants, Taylor strapped herself into a leather harness inside a custom wood pickle barrel, five feet high and three feet in diameter, with cushions lining the barrel to break her fall. Taylor was towed by a small boat into the middle of the fast-flowing Niagara River and cut loose, knocked violently from side to side by the rapids and then propelled over the edge of the Horseshoe Falls. Taylor reached the shore alive, if a bit battered, around 20 minutes after her journey began. After a brief flurry of photo ops and speaking engagements, the fame cooled for Taylor, and she was unable to make uh, the fortune which she had hoped. She did, however, inspire a number of copycat daredevils. Between 1901 and 1995, 15 people went over the falls. Ten of them survived. Among those who died were Jesse Sharp, who took the plunge in a kayak in 1990, and Robert Overcracker, who used a jet ski in 1995. No matter the method, going over Niagara Falls is illegal and survivors face charges and stiff fines on either side of the border. Such an interesting story. I know how I'll make money. I'm going to go over Niagara Falls. Wow. Well, Florida's unemployment rate continues to outpace the national averages, Governor Ron DeSantis announced on uh, the 21st, saying the Sunshine State has hit another historic low despite devastating impact of Hurricane Ian. Sanders announced that the state's September unemployment rate fell to 2.5%. It's the second lowest rate in the state recorded history and the lowest since October 2006. In September, uh, Florida had the second fastest growing domestic product growth in the nation, growing at an annual rate of 1.6% in the second quarter, whereas, of course, the rest of the nation was underwater with regard to GDP. While inflation continues to surge Nationally, under current federal policies and with Southwest Florida recovering from Hurricane Ian, Florida has maintained sound fiscal and economic policies that will help us mitigate these challenges, said the governor. September data indicates that there are job opportunities available throughout the state with more than 464,000 jobs posted online, the release said. DeSantis was recently endorsed by four job-creating organizations. He's also been endorsed by the Florida Trucking Association. In its nearly 90-year history, it's never endorsed a candidate until now. However, the governor's fiscal policies are what drove the Trucking Association to endorse the governor. Well done, Governor DeSantis. Well, uh, more than 230 pythons were removed from the Florida Everglades as a result of the annual competition to eliminate the invasive species from the South Florida Wetlands Preserve. Florida wildlife officials said Thursday that 1,000 hunters from 32 states and as far away as Canada and Latvia removed 231 Burmese pythons during the 10-day competition known as the Florida Python Challenge. Matthew Concepcion Won the $10,000 top prize for removing 28 Burmese pythons. Another hunter, Dustin Crum, won a $1,500 prize for removing the longest python, a snake that measured over 11 feet. Pythons became invasive in Florida after they were brought into the state by, as pets and then abandoned in the wild by owners, say the officials, wildlife officials. Since 2000, more than 17,000 wild Burmese pythons have been removed from Florida where they are a destructive presence for native species, according to the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. Kind of small odds there. It's a lot of work, so it must be kind of a sport for these folks. They do it every year. It's become kind of a national pastime for Burmese python hunters. Uh, $10,000, a lot of money, of course, but 1,000 people competing. A lot of walked away with nothing. Florida Sanders announced that uh, results of the 2022 National Assessment of Education Progress, which demonstrate once again the keeping kids in school throughout the 20 and 21 uh, epidemic, has put Florida students well ahead of their peers, especially with younger and educationally at-risk students who are harmed the most from distance learning in other states. In 2022, Florida's fourth and eighth grade students earned the highest uh, ranking ever in each assessment, and demonstrated uh, historic achievement gaps closed for at-risk students at all levels. Florida's Hispanic students, black students, and students with disabilities all scored in the top 10 in every category. NAEP assessments are the only assessments taken consistently across the nation and therefore serve as a nation's report card. Last administered in 2019, the NAEP is administered every two years, although they skipped a year to 2022. We insisted on keeping schools open and guaranteed in-person learning in 2020 because we knew there would be widespread harm to our students if if students were locked out. Today, results once again prove that we made the right decision, said the governor. We also know that younger and at-risk students would be the most impacted if schools were closed, and the result, results speak for themselves. In Florida, our fourth-grade students rank number three in the nation in reading and number four in math, achieving top four in both English and math for the first time in state history, while lockdown California and New York aren't even in the top 30, said the governor. Pretty interesting. Well done. Again, great decisions made by this governor. Well, the Eighth uh, U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals granted a motion on Friday to temporarily block President Biden's estimated $500 million student loan handout pl- uh, plan. The appeals court ruled in favor of six Republican-led states. Who's requested that Biden's handout plan is halted while the courts work through its request for an injunction? Biden's plan, which aims to cancel up to $20,000 in student loan debt for Pell Grant recipients in college and up to $10,000 for others who borrowed using federal student loans. Qualifications for the handout include having an adjusted gross income of less. Than $125,000 or $250,000 for a married couple. The decision by the appeals court comes just days after the White House released the online application for the handout. President Biden said the application portal took over 8 million applications without any problems during the testing period, which was uh, last weekend. In response to the decision by the appeals court, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, Said that the Biden administration will move full speed ahead in its preparations while complying with the order. It's also important to note that the order does not reverse the court's decision or dismissal of the case or suggest the case has uh, merit. It simply prevents debt from being discharged until the court makes a decision, she added. As one million of people fill out the application, we're going to make sure the system continues to work smoothly as possible so that we can deliver student loan relief for millions of Americans. <laughs> She didn't say this, but just before the election. Our student loan plan lowers costs for Americans as they recover from the pandemic to give everybody a little more breathing room. Well, not everybody, just those that are having their loans forgiven. I want to make clear who's going to benefit most working people. Working uh, middle-class folks Biden said more than 40 million Americans stand to benefit from this relief. Well, he... Uh, Falsely claimed he passed his much ballyhooed student loan bailout by a vote or two, even though Congress never voted on it. Just more. <laughs> he's, he is, he's just not there. The president has made his bizarre comments while outlining the details of his student loan forgiveness program at the Now This News forum that covered a range of issues. The president's bizarre statements represent just one more in an ever increasing list of bizarre moments. This one coming within days of him appearing to fall asleep in (laughs) mid-interview, President Biden. Uh, One or two votes. It was a close vote, huh? Well, it was actually an executive order. Well, uh, Democrat gubernatorial candidate Charlie Crist uh, celebrated... Uh, garnering the endorsement of president, uh, former President Barack Obama just a couple of weeks away from the 2022 election. Hey, Florida, we've got a lot of work to do, and it starts with making Charlie Crist your next governor, the former president said. Charlie has two things I admire, guts and decency. Charlie Crist is fearless, guided by what is right, even when it's hard, said uh, the former president. So if you're ready for a governor who cares about people instead of bullying them, Well, who will fight for voting rights and a woman's right to choose who understands the challenges you're facing every day and who will fight for you? Vote for Charlie Crisp, Obama said. Thank you, Barack Obama, Chris responded. It's pretty apparent that Obama has a real blind spot when it comes to political leadership and talent. He chose Biden as his VP and praised Kamala Harris as Biden's VP pick. And Crisp is a chameleon and a sycophant. (laughs) <laughs> Chris was a former governor and uh, she then became an independent and then became a Democrat. It doesn't know what he stands for. He just wants to win. And by the way, according to NBC News, Democrat gubernatorial candidate Charlie Chris, campaign manager, who uh, resigned just three weeks before the election, was arrested in a domestic violence case the day before he parted ways with the campaign. So uh, that's the reason and maybe also influenced by the fact that Chris is not going to win. Former uh, President uh, Donald Trump said, I will probably have to do it again in regards to running for president in 2024. But first, he said the GOP has to win the midterm elections. This, of course, was at Robestown, Texas, at a rally which was packed with supporters waving Save America signs and bursting into renditions of the national anthem, USA. And let's go, Brandon. Former President Donald Trump warned the Democrats are against oil, God, and guns three staples in the state. They say Texas is going to go blue. It's not going to go blue. It's Trump. Trump told a Save America rally on Saturday night that Texas' way of life is under siege. They're against oil, God, and guns, and they say they're going to do well in Texas. I don't think so, said the president. By the way, breaking out into the national anthem, that was pretty darn cool. They did it at nine o'clock at night, exactly at the time when all the uh, people in jail because of the January 6th event in the city jail in Washington, D.C., uh, they sing the National anthem at nine o'clock at night. So this group came in and they decided to do it and the entire 20, 25,000 people that were there be, uh, sang this at the national anthem as well. It's pretty darn impressive. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show, here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is B's Diner, providing great service
3: Forty-five,
0: forty-one. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs, among other things, to get able bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting the website, vfga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. It's great for kids of all ages, including you and I, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
2: Always a pleasure, Bob.
1: Thank you, Mark. Let's talk about what's going on in the globe today and uh, such an interesting coronation of uh, the new, not the new, the third term. for The old new. Yeah, the yeah, old indeed. new. Indeed,
2: I mean, look, what we're seeing, you know, we've, we've spent the last five or ten years being afraid of China, right? Yep. The rise of China, we're concerned about China, all those discussions, and I even told you to stop talking about communist China. Well, guess what? Communist China is back. And from all I can tell, China has shot itself in the in the foot huh. twice in, in in two big ways. I mean, number one, of course, the COVID policies uh, continue when there's now a rise of COVID in China again, and the the, the lockdowns et cetera, are, are decimating their economy. But more importantly and more seriously, uh, they're moving back to a more of a central central economic rule, more of a communist type of economic system, less freedoms, giving their people less freedoms. Yeah. I don't think we have to worry about China anytime soon. They're, it's like, you know, they're destroying their own their own miracle. The Chinese miracle is being destroyed because of their own need for power, especially uh, Xi's need for power and one man rule. It was quite so. Amazing it was
1: it, right. what was amazing to me is the public demonstration of taking the former chairman out of the out of the meeting and uh, taking him out and disappearing him. Quite frankly, I mean, it, I thought it was just a. Really, uh, 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 it was something.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's no 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 question about it. Then. But, but again, I, it's it's like so counterintuitive. It's the opposite of all that we had expected of China, right? Mm-hmm. And it's they're literally shooting themselves in the foot.
1: Now, tell us because- to expand on that thought, my Mark, because help help us understand why they've shot themselves in the foot with this behavior.
2: Okay, well, they shot themselves in the foot because what was so successful about China was all of the. New companies, the tech companies, all the things that are developed, and the freedoms that we're giving them, and their ability to 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 operate worldwide. What's happened by the by the policies of the have been multi-level problems with it. Number one, of course, they've silenced anyone who's had too much power. Um, the head of uh, Alibaba, who was too wealthy, he disappeared pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and give this is disincentives for anyone to to make a lot of money in China. The brightest are still trying to leave because they're not interested in being in a China where that's taking place. They took Hong Kong, which was the center of finance and everything else for Asia, and basically everyone who can has left Hong Kong and is leaving Hong Kong because they instituted their views of freedom, which is zero. Right. On uh, top of which, economically, they're, they're moving much more towards state-controlled, state-directed, and as we've seen historically, it just doesn't work. You know, you can uh, you can have... An industrial policy where you help certain com- certain industries with taxes. That's what the United States does, right? And we have tax policies that help and hurt different. Con- I mean, all, basically, all Western countries have tax policies that, that that have some sort of industrial policy. But no one says to a particular company, you must make this and you must make that and you must open a market there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's the private company; they decide what they want to do. Yeah. And then on top of everything else, because of his. Um, foreign policy, which has been expansionist, etc. uh, people don't want to do business with them. And, you know, we see what's happened to their uh, 5G networks where basically we're afraid that everything is a spy spying system. There's TikTok, which is on the verge of either being banned or, or bought or some version they are in because, once again, um, there's a general sense that it's a method of spying by the by the Chinese government. Whether it's true or not, I don't know, but that's the general sense. Yeah. So they've literally shot themselves in the foot. Economically, their COVID policies have been a disaster. Um, they get, to keep this in mind, in other words, they've gone to lockdowns instead of vaccinations. They yeah. can argue back and forth about whether everyone should be vaccinated or not, and I don't want to get into that discussion for the moment. But their policy is to lock everything down. Yeah. And that, that doesn't work. I mean, it works, obviously, on some levels, but it destroys the economy.
1: Well, yeah. And what's interesting too is it seems to uh, solidify their aggressive policy internationally. In other words, I think they, they're they're planning on, they they're uh, promoting again uh, one China, which it, of course is taking over Taiwan again. Uh, just very aggressive in terms of its uh, the the current speech coming out of uh right, But
2: what, what, what it creates is pushback, though. What's happening? Japan is rearming for the first time since World War II. Japan is rearming, yeah. same with Germany, is for slightly different reasons, but but. But just to say, South Korea is increasing its arms expenditure. Both countries are getting closer to the United States in terms of uh, military cooperation. Australia is rearming in a serious sort of way. So, you know, you, you, you do one thing, but the result is is the op- opposite for you. And, you know, they always say you can get more with honey than than with vinegar. Well, that's what's happening. In other words... When they were talking about one China policy, where each one could have their own economic systems, etc., and if they would have continued with, with Hong Kong, with with a in part of China but a separate economic system and a separate uh, policies of, in terms of politics and freedom, then maybe the time when these people would have been willing to be part of China. Mm-hmm. But by doing what they did to Hong Kong, the people in Taiwan said, No, 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 we don't trust you. This is what you're going to do to us. We want no part of this.
1: Mark, expand a little bit about uh, Hong Kong, because I I think we all understand that people are are, are, uh, not experiencing the freedom that they'd had before 1999. But my question is, uh, you had mentioned that uh, people with with means of fleeing China now and taking their businesses elsewhere. uh, tell, Tell us the impact of that and what's happened.
2: Well, they're taking capital and they're moving it out of the country. More importantly, they're taking intellectual capital, mm-hmm. knowledge that they're leaving as much as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, you know, the, I don't think we understand the fact that the, sec, the I think the third largest group of immigrants in the United States are Chinese.
1: Yeah, interesting.
2: Sort of under the radar completely, but it exists. I think it's six percent or seven percent of American of immigrants now in the United States are Chinese. So um, you you you
1: you, uh, you uh, positioned China as it was kind of the Chinese miracle. Now they've shot themselves in the foot. Uh, this is a, a very important development when it comes to China.
2: Absolutely. Look, look. It's clearly a, it was a Chinese miracle. I mean, keep in mind that over 25 years, from the end of the uh, Cultural Revolution, the opening of China, to last year, the year before, whenever it is, more people moved out of poverty. In, those, in that period in the world, you know, in China, than it ever happened in the world. Mm-hmm. Right? Was, China was a very, very poor country. It's no longer a very, very poor country. And a lot of people moved out of poverty, and people are living middle-class lifestyles. And all that is for the good for the people. It's you know, good for the world and everything else like that. However, at some point when you want to compete, we've discovered and the world has discovered that you need a place to be where people of the best intellects want to be, where ideas can percolate freely. And that's always been the great success of America, right? In other right. words, the fact that whether it's in Silicon Valley or in other places, ideas percolate, the best and brightest go to places like Stanford or MIT and other places, and they meet together and they create ideas and create great companies. Well, if China's not a place you want to be because you don't have the freedoms that you once had or thought you are going to have, you're going to lose that intellectual property that's really important in this day and age.
1: So interesting. Mark Schoen, again, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Mark, I need to take a little break. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right. We're going to have more here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of The Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting
4: Network.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show And now here's your host, Bob Harden
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse Bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best And you can find out more and get tickets now by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTegg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Shulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Let's move to Iran. Uh, there's still a lot of, uh, of interesting—boy, the, 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 uh, the uh, riots or the—I shouldn't say the demonstrations continue— apparently there was a woman that was rock climbing without a hajib or whatever whatever they're called. And uh, this has stirred people up even further. What are your thoughts?
2: Well, the very fact that it's still going on, I think we're now like in the fifth week at this point, is really quite something. Um, You know, previous times they managed to clamp down on the demonstrations much quicker. I think they're having more difficulty because it's primarily led by women. And it's much deeper, it seems. It's much deeper in the society at this point. It's not just students it's not one group or another it includes workers and oil workers and across the board people are just tired of the regime yeah Um, and you know the Iranian people are mostly secular and they've been imposed upon them a religious regime now for all of these years they're tired of that they want some form of democracy they want more connection to the West they're tired of sanctions and everything else that you know the nuclear program does that does the individual Iranian no good right um, they're not interested in any of those things. They want they want to be part of the Western world. The Iranians are very, folk, the people themselves are very forward-thinking. They're highly educated, and they're just tired of all this. So we'll have to see. I mean, I, you know, I, I always have the point that if you're willing to kill your own people, you can maintain power. Uh, we'll have to see. Um uh, It could peter out or it could still end up in a total revolution. We just don't know.
1: So I've also always held the premise that uh, people are ruled by uh, uh, dictators. Uh, They give permission for that to happen until they rise up and fight against it. And it looks like this is what's happening in Iran now. Finally, uh, the people say, we've had it, we don't want it anymore. I just wonder if the mullahs are going to gather up all their cash and take off.
2: Don't know. I don't think so. I think there's true believers. They're not going to run away so quickly. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see. It's 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 a big unknown. You're right about dictators, but dictators can sometimes maintain control just by the sheer terror which they they yeah. they use. I mean, for instance, Stalin, for instance, uh, maintained power because people were terrorized. Right. So we can't we can't de- we can't ignore that fact. And so how strong these people are going to be? Who's willing to join with them? Um, it's a week-by-week week situation, but remember the fact I'm saying week-by-week week and not day-by-day. Day.
1: Yeah. Could be some very, very positive developments, developments in the Middle East, though, as a result of all this. Uh, how, let's move to Ukraine and Russia and what's happening.
2: Well, it looks like the the Russians are about to give up Khorasan. Uh, they seem to be withdrawing. Their their position there seems to be endangered, and they seem to be uh, withdrawing, and the, and the Ukrainians are moving forward. Uh, they're making ridiculous claims. Last night or yesterday, there was a discussion between the uh, chief of staff of the Russian army and American defense. Uh, no, and I think of the, and the chief of staff of the U.S. Army, or uh, excuse me, the joint chiefs. Excuse me, and, and there he said the Ukrainians were about to use a dirty bomb. Yeah. Which, of course, the Ukrainians don't have. It's another one of these false stories that go with bio labs and other nonsensical things that the Russians have been uh, spouting. Are uh, they? Are they stating what they're proud to do? That's possibly, um, but the Russians are, you know, in real difficulty. Uh, their their major draft has not worked out very well so far. It's created a lot of dissent at home. Uh, Putin's deal with the Russian people was, uh, "I'll give you peace, calm, and economic security. You leave the politics alone to me." But he violated that in terms of peace, calm, and I'm drafting you into the army, and you may die. So. Um, we'll have to see i mean look we, the ukrainians are, are fighting the fight for all of us and uh, so far they're winning it's a slow you know it's a slow difficult battle but um they're they're doing it and uh, we just need to keep keep on supporting them
1: as much as we can yeah um, yeah you, know, you know again I, I harbor a different point of view I've, i i definitely putin has a bad uh, black hat and he's a bad guy and, but uh i can't coming out of one of the most corrupt countries in the nation or in the world uh, i have I real questions.
2: Ob- that's way overstated i'm sorry you're listening to too much
1: well i you know, I'm, i have real questions about zelensky and his motivation that's all that's all i'm saying why
2: based on what? Based on what facts?
1: Based on the fact okay, that he, I, he's put in a yeah, position by
2: the, your sources, there are really problematic. What what basis do you have for Zelensky's bad motivation? On well,
1: my intuition. I'm very skeptical about people in power, and uh, I just wonder. Uh, I, you know, he could have a black hat too. I just think we should keep that as uh, keep an open mind about that. I'm not making uh, accusations. Uh, I'm just I'm just suggesting. I think it's
2: a mistake to even to, to to try to create any sort of false equivalency here. Yeah. You have one country that invaded the other for no good reason whatsoever mm-hmm. and has create, been engaging in war crimes on a regular basis, a regular, regular basis, war crimes close to genocide, and you have another side that's been defending its own land. I, I don't think you can even try to create any sort of equivalency or worrying that Zelensky may not be as white as one would hope. I mean, no one's as white as we would hope, but the reality is he his country was invaded. Yeah. His country is where the people are being killed who are... Civilians being killed and massacred, quite honestly, by the Russian troops. So I don't see even, even trying to bring up the false equivalency is, is someone's propaganda in some ways. I'm sorry.
1: Well, well, There's we'll no see, basis. We'll see how this all washes out in history. So, uh, the, 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 history the, uh, the basis might be something like, for example, uh, money laundering, uh, for example, siphoning off. An, uh, th- okay,
2: but let's, let, 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 let's just say for a second, I don't think it's true. But let's just say ten percent of the aid was being siphoned off by various people and being stolen. Okay? Yeah. That doesn't change the basic calculus here.
1: Uh, you're right well, in, in terms of in terms of uh, Putin. You're absolutely right. But it does raise questions. I think about uh, the motivation of Zelensky and and how he's operating and uh, running his country.
2: Well, there's absolutely no, there's absolutely not even a hint of any corruption in terms of Zelensky himself. I've seen no reports anywhere that talks about that. There's nothing about that whatsoever. It's just an intuition because because Ukraine has been corrupt. Well, Ukraine has been corrupt, but it's been less corrupt in the last couple of years. It's less corrupt than the Russians, without a doubt. So, yes, there's corruption in Ukraine, and I have no doubt that some people are making money, as in any war. I mean, just remember the United States during World War II. What did Truman make his name by? His commission in the Senate to look into... Basically the amount of money that were made by defense contractors semi legally during World War two off yeah, the backs of the American people
1: and the- you know, military industrial complex is alive and well in America right now, so
2: it's alive everywhere. There's no question about it so hey listen no before, before I let you
1: go, Mark, I do want to uh, just get your thoughts on England and what's happening there
2: it really it, it makes uh, both the United States and Israel who have question elections all the time these days or questionable makes it makes them look very very Solid. I mean, the fact of the matter is we've had the shortest period of a prime minister. The conservatives basically have not been able to recover because of Brexit. That's what everything comes down to. Brexit has been a failure. And so um, right now they're going to have another another prime minister. Uh, people want general elections, which they absolutely don't want, because they'll lose the general election in a big way right now. Uh, so they have no legitimacy. We're having prime minister after prime minister who's not been elected. Yeah. Which is very problematic. You know, when you when you've been a non-elected prime minister, people say, "Well, what gives you the right to make such decisions?" Right. And uh, that's where it stands. You have very you have unelected people being prime minister. We'll have we'll have a, th- a third one who's been unelected, and we'll we'll see where it goes. But um, it's sad. It's really sad. And um, Brexit has been such a, a disaster for Great Britain. Uh, that it's, we'll see how they can recover from it at
1: this mm, point. You know, I still have questions about that. We'll see that again. The history will prove one way or the other whether that's the case. I I just wonder if the EU might be the mistake itself.
2: That's again a different issue altogether. But uh, leaving it seems to have been a very big mistake. Yeah, for Britain.
1: Mark Schulman again. Reality, the fact fel- that's the
2: economic reality. As we can we can discuss other things: political, social. But from a purely economic standpoint, it's been a disaster for England.
1: Yeah, Mark Schulman again, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. I encourage you to visit HistoryCentral.com. Good for kids of all ages, including you and I. Mark, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining My us. My pleasure.
2: Have a great week, everybody. Bye. You
1: as well. Thank you, Mark. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Jim McTagg. I should say uh, Larry Reed. He is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of The Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. And you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Right now we have with us Larry Reed. Larry is the uh, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. It's always a pleasure. My pleasure, Larry. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education.
4: Okay. We are an educational foundation focused on uh, inspiring and educating young people from high school and college age, and our purpose is to instill in them an appreciation of the ideas of individual liberty, free enterprise, private property, limited government, and personal character. We do that through our very robust website which is FEE, dot org, as well as in-person events all over the country.
1: Terrific organization. If you have somebody high school or college age in your life, introduce them to the Foundation for Economic <laughs> Education. Terrific organization. And I must say it's so ironic to me that most kids fight for freedom against their parents and so forth. They're very rebellious, <laughs> and yet they embrace <laughs> socialism. It makes no sense whatsoever. It's amazing. So, Larry, you read a really interesting piece, How Sound Money Won the Battle of Yorktown and Saved the American Revolution. Maybe you can tell us about it.
4: Okay. Yes, it was 241 years ago this past week that America won the Battle of Yorktown, which essentially ended the war with our mother country, Great Britain. And it's a fascinating story because on the eve of the Battle of Yorktown, which began uh, with a siege of the city by George Washington's troops. It was occupied by uh, British troops, so he laid siege to Yorktown beginning in late September. Um, but uh, on the eve of it, uh, he was unable to pay his troops, and many of them had not paid, uh, been paid for quite a few months. And this was the time, of course, when the colonial paper currency had become completely worthless. Uh, that happened in May of 1781, so a lot of the troops were talking about uh, just leaving and going home to their families. They, mm-hmm. they had families they were responsible for, and without pay, uh, that put uh, tremendous hardship on them. But at the last minute, uh, a French fleet uh, was able to secure some gold and silver through contributions from people in Havana, Cuba, and uh, under Admiral de Grasse, that French fleet made it to Virginia in time for Washington's troops to be paid, and they rallied and went on to win the Battle of Yorktown.
1: Amazing story, Larry, and uh, so many miracles occurred during the American Revolution. It was, it's just amazing, and to have that kind of support, but it, it also raises this whole question about sound money and the importance of uh, having—our money right now is being run by the Fed— uh, which is a private organization. It's not even part of the government, quite frankly. So that's my understanding. Uh, tell tell us about the importance of sound money, and it, as it, especially right now.
4: Well, money, uh, in order to perform its function, has to be sound in the sense that uh, uh, people have to have confidence in its value, uh, and that was disappearing by 1780 in the American uh, uh, colonies. Uh, actually newly declared states at that point, because they were printing uh, paper money that had no backing. Uh, the The only support behind the paper money was a vague promise that someday uh, you could get silver or gold for it, that they would redeem it at, at some later date, but people lost confidence in that as the Continental Congress printed uh, so much of it until it became, uh, well, you've heard the phrase, not worth a continental, essentially worthless. So sound money is important for an economy to function because if people don't have confidence in the medium of exchange, everything breaks down. Yeah. Uh, yeah and everything that affects money affects everything else. So if prices are soaring and savings are evaporating because of hyperinflation, uh, the whole economy just uh, breaks down.
1: So you're pointing out that we have a congressman right now who's championing the whole notion of returning to the gold standard. Maybe you can tell us about it.
4: Yes, his name is Alex Mooney. He's a congressman from the state of West Virginia. He introduced early this month the Gold Standard Restoration Act, H.R. 9157. If it were to be passed by Congress and signed by the president, it would require public disclosure by the federal government of its gold holdings and would eventually define the dollar as a weight of gold. And in the process of doing that, It would uh, restore the dollar uh, and make it as good as gold again. Now, the chances of that passage uh, passing in this Congress, of course, is is nil. Right. uh, And and even less uh, to be signed by this president. But it's in the hopper, and it's hopefully going to generate some discussion. And it's good to know that it's there uh, when there's enough consensus and understanding uh, to pass that, uh, it would be a wonderful day.
1: So you're for uh, returning to the gold standard. I think we left the gold standard under Nixon, if I'm not mistaken.
4: Yeah, the last tie that we had, it was a very tenuous one, Nixon uh, severed in uh, the early 1970s. And I do favor it. I think it would be good, but I've, uh, it, it served us well in the decades uh, uh, in our history that we had it. But it would really require a balanced budget, too, because you can't run trillion-dollar deficits and then tell the world that you're suddenly in favor of sound money. Nobody would believe you.
1: Is there an interim step, Larry? In other words, is is there something we could do to help shore up the dollar uh, before returning to the gold standard?
4: Yes, at the very least, I think uh, the Federal Reserve could be, um, uh, by Congress, uh, instructed to stabilize the money supply and refrain from any uh, further inflation of it that would be a good step ultimately i'd like to see the fed uh, abolished altogether yeah uh, and and the best uh, interim step altogether is to restrain spending yeah because as i say nobody will believe you if you say you have sound money now when you're running $2 trillion dollar deficits
1: No question. Again, uh, Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Again, the website, fee.org, F-E-E.org. Larry, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you, Bob. All right. My pleasure, indeed. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg. Jim is the former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He retired to begin writing novels, and they are barn burners. They are just terrific. His first is... uh, Follow the Leader, his second, Shake the Money Tree, and his third, all basically got a continuation of the same series. Uh, The third is uh, No Problem. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: Blue Provence is one of only 97 restaurants worldwide to receive Wine Spectator's prestigious Grand Award, and they've received it for the eighth consecutive year. Blue Provence Restaurant is temporarily closed for renovations due to damage from Hurricane Ian, and they look forward to serving you again in the near future. In the meantime, you can enjoy their Grand Award-winning wine list with unbeatable prices on more than 2,500 wines by visiting Blue Provence Fine Wines, at 1234 8th Street South, Monday through Saturday between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Check out the vast wine selection by visiting Blue Provence on Facebook or visit the easy-to-browse website, blueprovencefinewines.com. Visit blueprovencefinewines.com, or if you need help, you can call Jacques directly at 239-821-6772. You have questions about your retirement? Bob thanks so much for joining us here on the show we're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty personal responsibility a limited government and the rule of law we have with us jim mctegg as i mentioned before the break he is the former baron's washington bureau chief he is uh, now retired and uh, he's written several novels they're terrific his latest is no problem jim thank you so much for joining us here on the show
3: Hey, thank you, Bob. I, you know, as a newsman, I, I criticize uh, my own former profession incessantly. And uh, my big gripe today is that I go to a major newspaper and try to find a story about the recovery in Fort Myers and Naples. Uh, and good luck with that. Really? Uh, so, so the other thing is, uh, for months, it's been obvious that the Republican parties were going to capture the House. Mm-hmm. So now the papers are waking up to that fact. And the New York Times, of all places, uh, has a story today with by their chief political correspondent saying, hey, it looks like the Republicans have momentum and probably will take the House. So surprise, surprise. I've, I've been predicting that uh, this is very good for the stock markets because it signals that, that we're at least going to have gridlock, which investors love, mm-hmm. puts handcuffs on President Biden and his uh, wastrel ways. And the other thing I, w- I would point out is that the, uh, the green energy stocks, part of what I call the great big bamboozle, which have been horrible for the past 10 years. I mean, if you put money In the green energy, uh, you know, you're 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 probably close to starvation. Hmm. Those stocks will get hammered even more because the sentiment will be, well, the Republicans are are just going to dismantle the president's green energy program. I don't buy it. Yeah, Uh, I think the fixes in uh, not only the U.S. government, uh, but world governments and even big oil are in on this energy switch because it's a great way to pick dollars from consumer pockets so i would urge people to go out and carefully shop i don't i don't recommend individual stocks but scarf up some of of those uh, stocks when they get beat even lower and have it in a portion of your portfolio.
1: Uh, interesting. So, Jim, I mean, uh, we talked earlier uh, in an earlier uh, visit and in an interview, and we talked about the fact that the markets might take off after October the 1st uh, and, uh, again, continue uh, rallying and through to May. This is typical of what happens in midterm elections, as you pointed out. Uh, but it's not looking that way this time.
3: Well, I would disagree. I think it's trying to find a bottom.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So it's fighting hard to find a bottom so uh you know in the face of the uh, news about a recession and you know we have rumors again about the fed uh easing it's uh the pace of uh, interest rate hikes so there, there's this confusion but the you know the polling and the election will add certainty to the politics of this country and that'll be very good for stocks so i'm still sticking by the forecast because it's, it's you know i'm just arguing I don't have a personal stake in this.
2: Mm-hmm. If
3: you just look at st- the statistics over the years, uh, the markets do well in a midterm election year, something like 87% of the time. Mm-hmm. And, and other years have been as um, challenging as this one. I mean, i you know, we have Russia in the Ukraine, and who knows what China is going to do. A, a lot of unknowns, but... Every year is filled with unknowns. So it's, I'm staying the course. I, I, I do see a rally through May.
1: Oh, that's so interesting. Thank you for that, Jim. So, well, and then uh, the House, I'm, I'm thinking uh, there's going to be a red tsunami right now. And my, my point of view is that uh, most conservatives will not get on the phone with a stranger to admit <laughs> that they're supporting the uh, uh, conservative uh, point of view and f- simply because of uh, more signs of uh, police state. I mean, they're throwing people in prison for singing hymns at a, at a Planned Parenthood uh, 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 outlet. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not a good time to admit we're really talking about the silent majority here.
3: Yeah, there's always been a silent majority. And uh, people have always been a bit paranoid about polls. And another challenge is, uh, look, I live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and my telephone Still has my uh, Washington, D.C. number, so, and my son, who lives in Colorado, has a New Jersey phone number. So when the pollsters are calling New Jersey numbers and Washington, D.C. numbers, uh, they're getting people all over the country. So yeah. you're, my point being that, that the uh, whole process is just um, uh, riddled with imperfections. So I agree with you that the... Uh, the uh, red turnout is going to shock the Democrats who have been very blind. well, I don't think they're blind, you know what they're bluffing they They have to defend uh Biden uh, after this election. I think the gloves come off inside the Democratic Party, and Biden is going to be pushed out of office.
1: yeah, Pelosi said that if if somebody brings up inflation, change the topic, what a communication wizard.
3: Yeah, or or crime. I say, you know the two, the two big concerns of the American public. Well, it's it's crime, uh, it's inflation, and it's the uh, school systems. Uh, you know the political correctness, people trying to shove uh, their aberrant uh, behaviors down our throats. It's, yeah. You know, there's rebellion in the air.
1: There certainly is, and the, just people are. You know, as they say, they're just not buying it in Gary, Indiana, right now because the. Uh, None of these policies support Americans. And if you take a look at the kitchen table topics, people say, you know, who's saying, who's sitting at the kitchen table saying, you know what, we have to decide whether we're going to buy a tank of gas or food. And by the way, isn't abortion horrible? <laughs> I don't or, or you know, shouldn't we all have abortion? In other words, that's not going to be a kitchen table topic, and it's not on the minds of Americans right now.
3: I know. Where people are unrealistic, the pollsters uh, take a drive in Middle America on any Sunday, and you see churches of all denominations everywhere. Yeah, and the parking lots are filled with cars. I mean, the pollsters never see that, uh, and that's why there are so many surprises. I mean, there, there, are, you know, there's a um, a culture in America that's being discredited by the left, but it's it's making that culture even stronger.
1: It really is. I mean, this whole notion now of uh, bringing Tr- uh, Donald Trump to the uh, January 6th committee uh, m- uh, meetings for testimony. And now they're saying, now uh, Liz Cheney's saying, well, this, it's not going to be public. <laughs> no, I'm sure she doesn't want it to be public because I'm sure <laughs> he, yeah, I'd love for it to be public. But the more they try to hammer on him, the more popular he gets.
3: I know. I would, you know, I don't like Trump. I never have. I would ignore him. Uh, I was always taught that Satan is the father of all lies, and uh, the way Trump lies, you have to wonder who his father is. So
1: you know, I've I've heard that Bad so joke. many it's I've heard that so many times, and I, I think that's uh, something that's been pushed by the mainstream media. But you know, I listen to him all the time. I, I listened to his uh, his uh, rally on Saturday night. It was just absolutely remarkable. I thought I I just don't recall an important lie that he's ever told.
3: Well, he did lose
1: the election,
3: and what he realizes is that when you lose your, an election, you're a wounded animal. So, so he can't admit it.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I uh,
3: he I, does he he does make a lot of salient points. I agree. Yeah, I mean, there and are that, a lot of things he says I agree with.
1: And and I would say too that uh, you know there's a lot of evidence that he did not lose this election. I mean, there's so much evidence, and it's growing, growing amount of uh, evidence that that's the case. So. Uh, he makes the claim, and quite frankly, I I don't know how he could possibly be wrong at this point.
3: Well, my my, I would argue again, having covered hundreds and hundreds of elections, if the Democrats can't steal an election every year in Hudson County, New Jersey, uh, you can't steal a national election. It's just too complex, too many moving parts.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know. These Dominion machines, I think, have made a pretty good case that all the election results stop being calculated at 11 o'clock at night on uh, the 3rd, I guess it was, November 3rd, 2020, and uh, all of a sudden things start back up and the algorithm has changed and the results are different. So...
3: Well, I'm going to leave that to the courts.
1: Okay, I'll leave it to the courts too, Jim, but I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thank you, Bob, and I hope Naples recovers quickly. Well,
1: thank you so much. It is. It is uh, recovering very nicely. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow we're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. Boo Mortensen will be joining us. Seton Modley, the founder and president of Less Government, and my wife Linda will be joining us for a segment as well. always appreciate your comments here on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Harden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. That's the way we get the word out and support our advertisers who make this show possible. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
0: Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.